0: Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson and I'm our Connections Director. We are so happy to have you here with us and if you're online, a welcome to you. Well, if you are a guest with us today, thank you for checking us out. And um, if you're new here, we would love for you to grab one of these blue connection cards, fill it out and drop it in the giving box on your way out and I will follow up with you this week and we'd love to just connect. Well, next Sunday is our big fall kickoff event and we are so excited about it. We have inflatables, uh, we have kid mazes, food trucks coming, all kinds of fun, and we are gonna be kicking off our series, Game Plan. So grab one of these invite cards, or five, or how many ever, hand those out. It's a great opportunity for you to invite someone. The Game Plan series is wonderful for you to have someone as a guest coming, and also just a great time for them to get to know who we are as a church in a fun setting. So kickoff is next Sunday. Invite a friend for either of our service times. Well, let's now welcome our Pastor Peggy as we wrap up our series, Stories.
1: Good morning, Faithbrook. You're looking bright and happy this morning and excited to be here. And those of you online, I can't see you, but I know you're excited to be here too. Everybody is, you know, and we're wrapping up our, ser- our series on stories this morning, and particularly we're talking about our faith stories. Now, some of you have been at this for decades, and you've got quite the story to tell and stories within that story. Others of you have barely begun the journey of faith, and you've got your faith stories that you're building along the way but there may be others of you who haven't crossed that line of faith yet, but you're interested, you're seeking, something has piqued your interest, in, You're interested in, in faith, and you're here or you're online watching, interested in developing a faith story. You know, in each of us, there's a moment in time when we begin that faith story. You know, we come to believe that Jesus is who he says he is that he's called us, that he's chosen us, and we come to him with our sins, asking for forgiveness, receiving that from him, and then we choose to follow him, to walk with him the rest of our lives. You know, and your faith story can actually go back to a point before that, you know, where you're coming and you know that there's something different you want in your life, you're looking for something more, and it's God calling you to himself, and as you begin to seek out and to search for the answers for life, that's where your faith story can begin as you walk in to faith. You know, and as, as we live out our faith stories, we need to be able to articulate them in a way that other people will understand, that we can communicate to them what this is all about, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was asked by someone, you know, what's your story? You know, why did you decide to follow Christ? What made the difference for you? And how are you living out that story? You know, it was just in a casual conversation of meeting someone new and being able to walk through that story. You know, our, our search for meaning and satisfaction in life can begin at an early age. And we look for those answers from many different directions. You know, and our world is full of answers. Some are good, some are not so good, but we're seeking out, uh, how, what, what is life all about? And as we search and we make those discoveries along the way, it creates in each one of us a different story. So everyone here this morning, everyone watching online this morning has a story. And if someone were to ask you about that story, how would you respond? What would you say to them? Well, in one of my uh, previous positions several years ago, I was a department head in this large healthcare organization, and we got a new CEO. Somebody thought it would be a great idea to have a reception so all of the department heads could come together, meet her, greet her. And so there were about 50 or 60 of us gathered in the room. Now, those of you who know me well know that I followed the advice of my mother very carefully. Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> I still don't talk to strangers. I'm getting better. I'm getting better at it. But you know, all of a sudden, the CEO was standing next to me. I thought I was being this great wallflower, <laughs> dust up against the wall watching what's happening. I love it there. But she walked up to me and she said, who are you? And so I gave her my name and I started to tell her about the department that I was the head of. And she said, no, I'm not asking you about your department. Who are you? And so I gave her my name and started talking a little bit about that department a little more. Didn't quite know, no, who are you? So okay, you really want to know, here's who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a child of the King. I'm doing everything I can to help build his kingdom here on earth, right? No, (laughs) I didn't say that. I don't even know what I stammered through in the next couple of minutes. I couldn't tell you what I told her. Who am I? (laughs) But I do realize that I missed an opportunity to work in my faith story to who I was that day. And so I learned that the the importance of what Peter taught us in in Peter 3.15, he says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to tell your story in a way that other people will understand it. Well, that was 1988. 35 years later, I think I can articulate my faith story a little better. My faith story is broader, it's deeper, it's different than what it was in 1988. But I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. Who are you? What's your story? And particularly, what's your story in relationship to Jesus? That's the key question for us. You know, I I would love to raise the lights in the room and get a microphone and open up online so people can talk to us through the online app and go around and ask you all to tell us your stories I'd love to hear what God's doing in your lives. You know, I'd love to get goosebumps over all those marvelous, awesome moments that you can tell us about what God has done and is doing in your life. I'd love to hear about the miracles, and I know that some of you have truly experienced miracles in your life. You know, to hear about the but for God moments that you've been through with Him. You know, it's so important. I think that we have an outlet to share our stories with each other, to hear the stories of others, you know, to hear where they've been, the lessons they've learned, how what they've been through might help me with what I'm going through, share, share the challenges that we've conquered, how we did that, encourage each other along the journey. And that can only happen as we cross paths and build relationships with each other. You know, I heard someone say one time that we come to Christ as individuals. We grow in Christ in community. You know, our our personal relationship with Christ is priority. But there's a bigger picture. And I think that God intended much more. Oh, it's so important to have that vertical relationship with him. But our personal relationship with God may be private. But he calls us to share it to take it public. You know, and that's gonna happen after the service we have some people who are gonna publicly accept, tell their faith story through baptism. You know, take it public. You know, God's grace that began our faith story, the love that he's poured into our lives is not meant to be stored within us. It's not meant to be set up on a shelf. That's the Christmas elf on the shelf. Okay, but for us, we're supposed to take what we've experienced in his faith and his love and allow it to flow through us and out to others, to share in their lives what he's doing in our lives. You know, how many of you have been to a water park that's meant for kids? You know, you know that big bucket thing up there that gradually fills with water and eventually it gets full and it just dumps all over those kids? You know They're all jockeying for position to get the best dump you know and then when it, when it does they squeal and they laugh and they shout and they're all excited about it and then they start repositioning for the next one. Well, as a Christian, I think you need to place yourself in a position where God can dump his grace and his love all over you. And then the once he does, get back in position for the next dump, just like those kids at the water park. Put yourself in a position to receive what God has for you. You know, we're not spectators in this life, in this faith story, but we're meant to be active participants. Everybody has a role to play. And how do we find a place to use what God has done for us? That's what it's all about. The relationships that we develop as we grow in Christ have a vertical and a horizontal dimension. And John chapter 15 demonstrates that for us. Now, those of you that have been in Bible study with me on Wednesdays, you're getting a double portion because we just finished studying chapter 15. So you can see if I'm consistent here. But in John 15, in verse 1, Jesus tells his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now, Jesus has spent his time in public ministry for the last three years trying to get people to understand that he and the Father are one, that the Father sent him, that his Father is God. And that's what's gotten him into so much trouble with the religious leaders. But he carries that theme through here into John 15. um, The Father is the gardener. He's the one who takes care of the vineyard. He cuts off all the dead branches that aren't producing anymore. He goes through with his pruning shears and he prunes the good branches in the vineyard. See, the, father's, the goal of the gardener, the father, is to produce fruit. That's what it's all about. And then Jesus says, he's the vine. Now, I always thought that the vine, with all those little tentacles that spread out all over the fence, but if you talk to a vineyard owner, it's not, it's the stump. That ugly stump in the middle is the vine. You know, Jesus says, I am the vine. The vine is the source of all the nutrients. It's the source of everything that is needed to produce fruit. And so we're the branches. We're those ugly things that run all over the vineyard. That's us, the branches. It's the spot where the fruit grows. And so now we get all excited and we think about what role we play. Yeah, we're the place where all that fruit grows. We're it. Slow down. If the father didn't trim the vine and cut off what needs to be pruned, there would be no fruit. If the vine didn't feed the branches with the nutrients, there would be no fruit. You know, it's, the vine is the source for everything that's needed to produce the fruit. Without the vine, the branches can do nothing. So it's not a call for us to do something. It's a call for us to be something. And so Jesus tells us uh, in verse four of John 15, what we're supposed to be. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, there's the essence of our vertical relationship. It's the vine planted, the branch planted into that vine. Connected to Jesus, in the Father, allowing the Spirit to live his life through us. Now I find it interesting that Jesus' commandment here is not to bear fruit. He doesn't say go bear fruit. What does he command us to do? To remain in him. He's the source that will bear fruit in our lives. And so the question for us today is what is the fruit? Is it more people coming to church? Is it more people coming to Christ? That's the product of what we do. That's a great thing to have happening. But I think the Apostle Paul was on to something when he told us in Galatians 5, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, as we remain connected to the vine and allow those nutrients to feed us as branches, we begin to take on the nature of the vine. We, you know, we allow the vine to, to provide nutrients and we begin to take on the character of Christ and the world begins to see Jesus living in us. You know, what does it look like to remain in the vine? Well, we remain a people of prayer, a people of the word, we worship, we stay in touch with him, we gather together in a community of believers, and everyone that loves him and celebrates him is who we wanna be with. We wanna be with them and celebrate and worship. And then we also submit to the pruning that he does in our lives. It's an intimate process where God comes through and reveals more of who he wants us to be, and begins to shape our story by who we need to become. See, being a disciple is not a solitary experience. It's best done in community. And Jesus goes on from talking about the vine and the branches where he talks about the relationship to him, and then he begins to talk about the relationship that the disciples should have with each other. And in verse nine, he says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in in my love, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. See, his relationship with the Father is all about love. His relationship with his disciples is all about love. And if they obey his commands, that's what it's going to take to remain in his love. And then he goes on and gives them another command. In verse 12, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now in the history of the scriptures, there's only two people who have been called friends of God, Abraham and Moses. And now Jesus says to his disciples, you are my friends. He's invited them to be a part of an elite group. You are my friends if you do what I command you. He's just laid down two connecting commands for them. Remain in my love and love each other. As I have loved you. How did he love them? Well, he taught them everything that he could possibly teach them in the short period of time he was with them. And then he laid down his life for them, for us, for me. You know, he says we're to love each other just like he loved us love. You know, how far do I need to go to love you guys? as far as it takes. You know, some of you may drive me nuts, but I have to love you anyway. (laughs) Some of you do things much differently than I would do them, but I love you anyway. And I know that some of you think much differently than I think, I love you anyway. Some of you may even offend me, I'm gonna love you anyway. Love as I have loved you. You know, and then I think, would I be willing to lay my life down for you? Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then he laid his down for me. So how do I lay down my life? Am I willing to rearrange my life to engage with someone who needs a friend Am I willing to rearrange my schedule to meet the needs of one of you? You know, am I willing to do whatever it takes to help build the kingdom of God on earth? You know, this is an area in my life where God the gardener has been pruning me. I've always been very selfish about my time. But as I've been diving into John and studying the scripture, and he's begun to talk to me about you need to be less selfish with your time. You need to be able to rearrange your time, your schedule, your life to minister to the needs of others. And so my story is changing as Jesus works in my life as God prunes my branch and tells me I need to do something different. You know, these disciples lived with Jesus for three years. He exemplified the life that he's asking them to live. They hung out with him, they learned from him, and now he's telling them, I'm gonna leave you guys, and the mission is all yours. You need to carry it out. You know, and for some of us, I think, sometimes we think coming to church is where we strengthen our relationship with God. Well, that's great if you're looking at the vertical element, the vertical direction. But it's also important that we develop relationships with other people in this community of believers. There's this horizontal relationship that needs to be developed, and that's so key to obeying Jesus' command to love one another as I have loved you. And we can only love one another in that way as we develop intimate relationships with other people. You know, Jesus' love for his disciples was not a casual thing. It wasn't a hug on the way into the synagogue on Sabbath, It wasn't a high five as they went through the temple courts, waving across the street as they walked the streets of Jerusalem or Nazareth. It was living together, being deeply intimate with each other, knowing them. He shared his life with them, he prayed with them, he wept with them, he was there when their emotions were all over the place, he walked beside them in their times of grief, he was there when they didn't understand. Through all their misunderstandings, he was there. He was always there for them. Love one another as I have loved you. you know, following Jesus works out best if we make the journey with others. Others who that we, we have come to trust and to love. You know, around Faithbrook we talk about loving God, loving people, and journeying together. That journey is so important. Now, go back to your picture of the vineyard in your mind. You know, when, when you look at a vineyard, I don't think I've ever seen a vine with only one branch. They're all intertwined and they're tangled together and they're working together as they grow out along that fence. Several branches all together on that vine. You know, and here at Brook, we offer the opportunity for people to get connected to each other and to journey together. And we call them life groups. You know, it's a small group of 10 or 12 people that begin to meet on a regular basis and do life together. Growing in Christ is better practiced with other believers. You know, we have the vertical dimension, with us and God, The horizontal dimension is us with fellow believers. And what we do is to learn together, laugh together, love together. It makes us stronger in our faith and it develops a deeper faith story. Participating in the weekly services is a great way to grow. But it doesn't give us the opportunity to exchange ideas, to ask questions, to have conversation, to share our stories, to look for advice, to build friendships. That's what life groups do. Learn together, laugh together, love one another. You know, the early church experienced this need for life together. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. See, they recognized early on the need to gather together. If they're gonna carry out this mission, helping to build the kingdom, they couldn't go it alone they needed some solidarity. Heard that word solidarity used in our society today. You know, solidarity. What would happen if we had solidarity with other believers and with Jesus? You know, we think that solidarity is for radicals. Jesus was pretty radical. He was close to being a revolutionary. And today as Christians, we're kind of looked at as radical. So can we find a group of people to be in solidarity with? You know, Acts goes on to say this. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Life groups get us pretty close to the practice of the first century church. It's the place where we develop bonds of love through shared experiences. We hold each other accountable for our spiritual growth and for discipleship. We watch over each other. We care for each other. We meet each other's needs. Life groups are not meant to be competition for the church service on on Sunday, but they are a complement to it by getting us together during the week and being able to share with each other. There's a book that came out recently called A People of Grace. It's about becoming disciples together by a man named Sam Barber. And one of the things he says in that book is this. People who share from their hearts regularly develop strong ties to one another and to their common goals for spiritual growth. That's the key element of life groups. Building those strong relationships, changing our faith stories, growing our faith stories. You know, we get busy with work, with kids, with school, going, doing, all kinds of things that take up our life. It seems like every moment of our life, there's somebody that's got a demand on it. Something has a demand on our life, and the things we're doing are all good things, But as we have this constant pull on our life, it can pull us away from God because we are so busy with so many other things. We need to find a, a moment of time in our busy, busy lives to get centered, to have others who can speak into our lives, to meet with them, that they can encourage us, they can cheer us up, they can share in our joy, they can weep with us in troubled times. They can bring hope to desperate situations. They can laugh with us. They cry with us. They support us in whatever we're going through. Now consider for a moment, just maybe, Jesus is asking you to lay down your life, to rearrange it so that you can participate with others through a life group. You know, it just may be that you show up at a life group where someone needs to hear your story because they're struggling with what you've been through. Or it may be that you get to life group and what you're going through, someone else has already been there and they can share their life story with you and it helps you through that situation. Or maybe it's a place where God the gardener can come through and begin to prune your life that you'll learn some things from other people about their life stories that will begin to talk into your life story, and God can prune you, make you the person he wants you to be. See, we come together, we learn together, we grow together as we share our stories. And our life stories change. Our faith stories begin to grow, they begin to develop, they take on new dimensions as we grow together. Life groups can shape your story. You know, It's a way to work with the vertical and the horizontal dimensions of grace to give us the most benefit. It's a bunch of individuals all gathering together after the same purpose, Jesus, and growing in our relationship with him. It's real community. When we all have a need, for community, we have a need for relationships, we have a need for friends, maybe for confidants. We need a place where we can begin to share our life with others. You know, and that's life groups. You know, not quite sure that it's for you? I'd ask you to give it a test drive this fall. Sign up for a life group and see how it goes for you. You know, today is the day that on our website, The registration is open for this fall's life groups. They'll start in October. And here's where you go to join a group. Go to faithgroup.com. Next steps, join a life group. That's what you need to do. You can do it through the church center app or that red card in front of you has a checkbox on the back that says join a life group. Some of you might not be tech savvy and can work your way through a website. I'm that way a lot. But if you just check that box, drop it in the giving box as you leave this morning, someone will get in touch with you and get you into a life group. Our life groups, some of them are kid friendly. If you go out there and you look for them, it'll say child care provided. Some of them are on different nights of the week. They're in different locations around the city. So you've got no excuse. There's a life group out there for you, and and I encourage you today to think about joining a life group. Come on in, you know, and join in the journey with a group of 10 or 12 other people who are after the same thing you're after, who share the same interests you do, and allow it to shape your life. And we're going to pray together for just a moment, and then Pastor Jim is going to come, and there's some stories to share with you this morning, and he'll introduce folks to you and then give you some instructions about the baptism to follow. So let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning so grateful for who you are, for the stories that you've given us in our life, for leading us into faith. And I pray this morning that if there's someone here who hasn't crossed that faith line yet, that they would begin to think seriously about doing that. Today could be the day they step into faith and that faith story can begin. And Lord, I I give you permission in my life to prune me. You know, as you search my life, would you prune me so I would be the person you want me to be? And I pray that everyone here and listening online would be willing to pray that same prayer to allow you to shape us. And I pray for our life groups as we begin in October. Would you just bless every host, every leader? Would you anoint them as they bring their groups together to grow, to learn about you, to laugh together, to love each other? Jesus, would you just pour your blessings on them? Pour your blessings on each of us as we go and on the baptism that's to follow. Would your spirit just be all over it? Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Very good. Thank you, Pastor Peggy, for sharing about the importance of developing our story wherever we are at. You know, here at Faithbrook, we're not looking for something from you, but we want to give something for you. And the most valuable thing we can give you is to grow your soul, to grow your character, especially in Christ Jesus. And if you go to our website, faithbrook.church, you go to the Next Steps. There's a lot of different options to help you grow. One of the options is a tab that says Share Your Story. And one of the best things we can do to grow spiritually and to bless other people is to kind of share how God's worked in our life. Maybe there's been a miracle that you need to share to the staff or others or just your where you came to find Christ, and you can go to that tab that says share your story, and it really helps other people to hear about stories. I, I know in my life group, it's always good every week almost to gather, hey, how's your week? People are sharing stories. Some are good, some are funny, and we grow and we get uh, more committed and loving when we are in community. Like Pastor Peggy said, we're all about <clears throat> loving God and loving people And growing and journeying together. I want to share a story this morning of a young mother who were baptized in our first service. We've been privileged this summer, including today, to baptize 10 people that have made a decision to say yes to Christ and show that by Public water baptism. Baptism is really an outward sign of what God did inwardly. There was a cleansing, there was a forgiveness of our sins, and that Christ came in. And when we go under the water, it symbolizes our death to ourselves, a cleansing, and when we come up, we are new in Christ Jesus. So, uh, Anna's going to share her story of, of why she um, wanted to get baptized and what God's doing in her
3: life. Hi, I'm Anna. I have been attending Faithbrook for about two years with my husband, Jesse. Uh, We've been married, actually our 10 year anniversary is next week and we have two daughters. Emma is five and a half and Everly is three. And I work full time from home. I have a sales position and I am excited to share my faith story and why I wanna get baptized. My story started when I was four years old. My parents and I immigrated to the United States from Ukraine, just the three of us. God called my mom to come and seek a better life here. And so he brought us here with pretty much nothing but our faith. From then we were able to build a life here. My parents worked extremely hard to make a life here, and it was all by the grace of God that we were able to make it. Growing up, God was always a part of my life. I leaned in on him through all the challenges in my life and into adulthood. Everything that I had envisioned for my life, God had an even better plan. And when I leaned into God's plan for my life, it always worked out better than I could imagine. I met my husband Jesse in high school, we were married, and bought a home and wanted to start a family. And it just didn't prove to be as easy as we had hoped. After a little while of trying to get pregnant, I was diagnosed with PCOS and found myself in a really tough position, questioning whether this was gonna happen for us. It wasn't until I came to a point where I needed to just let go of my control of the situation and my worries of the situation and surrender to god's plan for me one sunday morning i decided to take a walk and just pray and listen to what god had to say and during that walk i was overwhelmed with this incredible feeling of just chills head to toe and i truly believed that in that moment i experienced god's supernatural healing of this condition that was making it difficult for me to get pregnant. I came home from that walk in tears. I told Jesse, like, something just happened. I really think a miracle has happened. And sure enough, a few weeks later, we found out that we were pregnant with our first daughter. I truly feel that my calling in life is to be a mother. And as a Christian mother, I have a big responsibility to raise my kids and to be disciples for Christ. The last few years, the world has changed, life has changed for all of us, and we have gone through some dark circumstances. And in those times, growing as a Christian and as a mother, I found myself called to be bringing it back to Christ and really trying to find ways to make myself be more Christ-like. Whether that's from the music I listen to, movies, habits, all of those things, I found myself wanting to be a better person to be more like Christ because some of those things that I used to be interested in just don't fulfill me. Listening to gospel and worship, and talking to God, and reading His Word—those are the things that bring me joy and fulfillment and reduce the stress in my life. And this baptism is a huge step in that piece for me to be cleansed of the, some of those old habits that are no good for me, and to just continue to grow in my faith and to be more like Christ so I can show my kids that this is what's important and this is what what you can receive.
2: Beautiful story. Well, we get a chance to, to uh, celebrate with the Roism uh, family. If they could come forward, we want to just uh, introduce you to them before their water baptism. And uh, led by lisa and billy come on up yes mm-hmm. it's kind of bright up here yes. dad but we'll be all right uh this is one of i, I call it the roy some one of our hockey families right we got a lot of families that love hockey and uh billy loves hockey logan loves hockey and i think mom sort of sometimes all right very very good well, they uh, communicated with us that they wanted to get baptized, and we always ask them to share kind of where they, why they want to be baptized, and kind of their faith story. So, any of you would like to go first? Okay. Um, hello.
4: Um, I wanted to get baptized because I went to a Christian camp, and uh, on Thursday. I was asked to stay at the church and I stayed, and like they like dedicated me to God, but not technically fully. And like when I was like five years old, uh, I had a dream where I saw a bright light and it said, Logan, you are my son and I love you. I woke up at 12 and I was sweating, and I didn't know what happened, and now I'm here, so yeah. Oh,
2: gotcha. So, Logan, this, this summer at this hockey camp, you really said yes to Jesus and invited him into your life, didn't you? Yes. Well, we're so proud of you, and thank you for sharing that. Yes. Dad, I would like to share
5: Sure, why not? Um, So my journey, um, I was raised in the Catholic religion, um, basically felt forced to go there. um, But about 15 years ago, made some really stupid decisions, got in trouble with the law, um, ended up meeting my beautiful wife here. uh, And from that point forward, uh, realistically, you know, the reckless love of God comes into play. We're just slowly but surely seeing signs, seeing, you know, different things happened. And over a couple years ago, uh, I went to a hockey ministries uh, brunch where uh, ex-North um, Star uh, Billy Butters runs that. And I realized at that point that Billy Butters graduated with my dad um, from the same high school, everything else like that. And I forget her name what what she was saying about the chills and everything just it just came over me trying not to cry um and from that point um had a conversation with a guy named Kevin O'Leary, good friend of mine, um down in our basement um you know we were both crying, or at least I was I don't know about him, but I was um and just at that point realized that I needed to make a change and then um, at his hockey ministries camp, Kevin actually recorded him dedicating himself to God. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So here we are. Very
4: good. Right. So, you know, I've always been, I was raised Catholic as well. I've um, always been a, a faith-filled person. But, you know, time and life can wear you down. So I got a little bit bitter. But we started building a house about four years ago. I wasn't going to cry. And we met this family named the Thompsons, Chrissy Thompson. And um, she invited us to her life group. Sorry. And over the course of the next couple years, she wore me back down. It reminded me how important my faith was to me. And um, about, I don't know, a year ago, you know, we were having a tough time at home and, um I just, one day, there was the chill, the, the feeling. And um, over the next, I don't know, six to eight months, there was this one verse that just kept showing itself to me everywhere I looked. In fact, I think Chrissy had it up on her wall at one point. Um, but it was uh, 1 Corinthians sixteen fourteen: Do everything in love and do everything with love. Let all that you do be done in love. Let all your things be done with charity. And um, I realized that when I think that way and when I do those things, my heart just continued to open. Um, I I suddenly realized there wasn't any, there wasn't bitterness anymore. There was just love, uh, and it changed my life. And then I realized there was someone living in our home that lives that way every day. So when he said, he started this, he said, Mom, I saw this thing about baptism at church. I want to do it. So I called Billy and I said, Logan wants to do this. And Billy said, so do I. So awesome. how could I not? Awesome. So here we are, ready to go. And I'm wet enough
2: already, so. <laughs> yeah. right. Thank you, Lisa. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. But I just want to brag on God, how God pursues us that uh, we kind of do our own thing. We're going to talk about that next week, a game plan. We have our own game plan, but God doesn't give up on us, and he will draw us. Sometimes it's through people. Sometimes it's through neighbors. Sometimes it's through churches and camps and circumstances. But he wants us to come to that realization that we need him, and we say yes to him. And he starts a new life in our life. And then he only asks us really to, besides obeying him, but to to show it by a water baptism. And we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes. So I'm going to encourage you to stick around. We're going to go out there in about five minutes to get your kids. You're welcome to watch. And we will celebrate Uh, when they go down and come up. We'll cheer for them. Because it tells us in the word of God that there is more rejoicing of one person coming to Christ than any other thing. Uh, They are rejoicing when people say yes and show that. So uh, you're dismissed. God bless you. And I'll see you out there in about five minutes.